0: What's up, you guys? It's your girl Zipporah. And today, let's talk about my dad and his battle with diabetes. Okay, so here's the big question How are bariatric people who want to build consistency, who work out, and who live a healthier lifestyle, how do we build long term success and not regain weight post weight loss surgery? That is the question, and this podcast is dedicated to figuring out the answer. Hi, my name is Zipporah, and welcome to the Bariatric Confessions podcast. Okay, so according to my mother, my dad was diagnosed with diabetes in 1980, and I was born in 1979. So my dad passed away in um, 2012. And I was 32. So you're talking about over 30 years of battling with uh, diabetes, food addiction, and a whole lot of medical conditions. So my dad, just for, you know, background references, my dad was about six, four. Don't ask me how much he weighed because I don't know. <laughs> um, he was very tall and he was also very athletic in his younger days. Um, he used to play basketball and he was really, really good. And um, later on, he started coaching basketball. So he was he was very heavily into sports. My him and my mother got married in 77. They were together for a very long time. And um, shortly afterwards, they, you know, they had my oldest sister. And then a year later, they had me. And then two years later, they had <laughs> my my brother. Two years after that, my other sister Two one year after her, my youngest brother. And then four years after my youngest brother, they had my little sister. So six kids. Yeah, six kids, almost stair steps. <laughs> but my dad, um, he was active as as a kid, always running the streets. I mean, he grew up in the 50s, I guess, or the 60s, you know, like by the 60s, I guess he would have been in his 20s. So he, he grew up and he was a very active person. Um, he was very well known in the streets of Philadelphia. And uh, he grew up in West Philly. According to my uncle's They didn't grow up poor or anything. Um, So but my dad was very active, very much heavily into sports. Even when he got super big, he was into sports. Um, I don't know when he like when he started having health problems, obviously, because I was, you know, a very small child. But like I said, my mom said in 1980, he was diagnosed with diabetes My dad used to tell us stories about how he would drink a three liter soda. Like y'all, I don't know if y'all remember or have had this growing up. Like they used to sell three liter sodas. He used to drink them like they were were water. So he would play basketball. He would drink the sodas. He would eat all the food. Like, and my dad could throw down, like, seriously, he could throw down. He could cook also. He was a, he was a, a good chef. Um, so like, you know, he could do a lot of things. By the time I grew up like he was just he was massive to me like (laughs) you know like he was a giant and then also he was just like you know you know really big and uh, my mom actually has a picture of him and I think it was just me and my dad's like laying on a couch and I'm sitting um, in front of him on the couch like sitting on the edge of the couch and just remember the picture like my dad is just like his neck his face, his belly, he was, it was, everything was big. And, um, that's, that's what I remember. And my dad, you know, like, I remember him, um, like, especially his neck. It was like, it was just like really big. And, you know, back in the day, I think he's the tallest out of all his brothers. There were, there were nine boys. So my grandmother had nine boys (laughs) and I think he's the tallest. Um, but you know, I'm sure there's there back in that day when he was young, there was no like weight. Um, there was no like weight chart for him to go by. Doctors, I mean, he was born in the 40s, so none of that existed. Like, you know, they didn't even, I think the year he was born, they just came out with like color TV. <laughs> so like, you know, weight and monitoring your weight, like, you know, they ate lard, like they ate butter for dinner. Like, <laughs> Like, you know, in the 40s and the 50s, you know, people weren't thinking about their weight. He wasn't health conscious like that, you know. So, you know, he just grew up in a very, very different time. So um, he him and my mom got married. He was in his 30s, mid 30s, late 30s, I think. I think he was in his late 30s. And, you know, he was pretty much set in his ways. My dad was just very, very set in his set in his ways. And, um, you know, so they had children and like my mom was like very active with us. My mom jumped rope. She ran. She did everything like my mom was very, very active. And but my mother was also a stay at home mom. My dad was the quote unquote breadwinner. So he he was the main source of income um, for our family. And, um, you know, we grew up very, very poor, you know, very, very, very poor. Um, you know, e- you know, sometimes we would be on uh food stamps, you know, remember when they used to have the actual paper food stamps <laughs> and, um, but my, um, my dad always worked. It was just a lot of us. You are talking about eight people living in one house and we lived in a three story house and the, the three story house had four bedrooms. Um, yeah, it had four bedrooms. And, um, my dad did everything he possibly could within, you know, his knowledge to maintain a healthy home for us, uh, you know, a good home for us. Um, but you know, he, he did with, he did, um, what he knew was best. So we grew up in the city, we grew up, you know, um, corner stores, stuff like that. So when my dad got diabetes, um, Eventually, you know, when we were able to go to the store for him, um, he would always ask for like a jelly crimpet, butterscotch crimpet, um, coconut cake from Tasty Cake. I don't know if you're familiar with Philadelphia and Tasty Cakes, but like Tasty Cakes, they're, they're like they used to be the bomb. So, you know, my dad would um, ask for those things and, you know, you're a kid, you go to the store and. You do what your parents tell you to do. You don't question them. You're not even thinking. It's your mother. It's your father. You just go to the store. And um, that habit actually, like, kept going even in, like, my 20s. Um, my dad would ask for something from the store and, you know, tell me go to the store and get him something. And I would go get it. And um, it's like, man, like, why did I do that? Because he's my dad. You know, he couldn't go to the store himself he couldn't walk to the store at some point. So we did it. So anyway, um, the first incident, I remember my dad actually being sick. I was uh, 17 years old and, um, it was my, I was graduating from high school. It was my grad, my, my graduation, my high school graduation. And, um, I don't remember too much about what happened before, but he, um, he wasn't home. And my, my his best friend, my godfather took him to the hospital. And, um, I don't know, I don't know if he was in there for a few days or just a few hours, but whatever was going on, that is the, that is the year 1997 that I remember like things just going downhill for him when it comes to his health. So my high school graduation and my high school graduation was at night and um my father and his best friend my godfather pulled up to the house and it was late and but he couldn't go so my mom my little sister and um somebody else went um but my dad could not go because he he just got out the hospital he wasn't feeling you know he wasn't doing well so he didn't go and ever since 1997 his health like declined rapidly or at least that's what i remember or that's the point that i remember um seeing his health decline rapidly or not rapidly it was it, it was a slow death like and it's sad because like diabetes just in general it's a slow death it's it's set out to kill you slowly if it's not managed and that's what it did so you're talking from 97 until 2012 my dad slowly died or Became closer and closer to death um, for those years. So, anyway, shortly after my dad just started having like all these problems that comes with um, diabetes. So, he lost his eyesight. He had to have um, part of his feet amputated. Uh, my dad, more like a size 16 Triple E, he will always say, that. The reason why I know this is because he will always say, I'll t- shove my size 16 Triple E's up your butt. so you know I know how tall he is I know he wore size 16 and um you know so my dad would um his feet had to be amputated and um his toes on I think all all of his toes on on one foot was gone and then um on the other foot it was like half of the foot was like completely amputated he had so many health problems he had so, so many health problems that I don't even know them all You know how you got to go to the doctor and you got to fill out, you know, your 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 parental history or whatever, like what your parents had. Did your parents have this or that? I can't even I don't even know all of it. And, you know, mostly it's because I was a child when he was, you know, sick. But I just He wouldn't. They also don't talk to you like my dad didn't talk to me about his health, you know. So I just know a lot of things from seeing him. And then eventually um, when I got older and he couldn't do anymore, he couldn't do anything anymore. um, That's when I started learning more and more about his um, health conditions. So you're talking about, you know, like I'm in my mid twenties and I'm learning about what's going on with him. So anyway, so um, he had high cholesterol. He had heart problems. He, um, he had like gangrene or like all this stuff, you know, just stuff killing him. And like, um, I know this, right. I know this. And like looking, um, back, like before I had weight loss surgery, I was always like, you know, I know diabetes is a slow killer, but why am I not doing the things that I need to do in order for me not to get diabetes? You know, why am I not learning from him? Like I see it. I understand it. I've I've lived it, but I just it just wasn't enough for me to get up and just like, you know, do something about my health. Anyway, so back to my dad. Um, So um, at some point he just became like completely unable to do stuff. And, um, you know, he would rely on us to do a lot for him. At one point, the doctors gave him something. We called it Noni juice. I don't know what this juice was called. But it was this juice that the doctors um, told him. This was probably like early 2000s, maybe 2001, 2002. And the doctors gave him this stuff to drink. And they, you know, he was supposed to like go on this, like basically like a liquid diet for a few months. And um, he goes on this liquid diet. And I guess their idea was to cleanse his blood or get rid of the toxins and possibly manage um, diabetes better, you know, for him because he had the insulin. He had the actual needle that he had to inject. And um, it must have been really bad because um, I remember him having taking insulin like the needle for a long time. So I don't even think he started off with like the pill, how some people started off with a pill. For him, it was always the needle. I He never did it. He never drunk that juice that sat in the refrigerator forever. I don't even know. It was just like forever. And he never like, you know, like. Drunk the juice the way the doctors told him to do it so that way his diabetes can be managed so that way he can live a longer life. And I always saw it as because food was just that important to him. He still ate the cheese, the cheesesteaks and the burgers and he ate everything like anything. There was no like limitations to what he would eat. In retrospect, I, I look at that and I'm just like, man, food has such a hold on him. It has such a tight hold on him for whatever reason. I don't know, maybe internal, quote unquote, demons or, you know, whatever it is, but or old habits or just habits in general. I don't know what it was, but food has such a hold on him. He couldn't even like give it up temporarily so that way he could live a longer life. Now, you know, he died when my dad died. He was 67, but he could have lived, you know, like I was pregnant with with my um, oldest daughter when he died. I was like five months pregnant. So he actually never met any of my kids. So like he could have lived (laughs) a few more years, you know, or longer because my mom is 68 right now. Um, So like, you know, he could have lived. He would have been 78. He could have lived until he was 80, 90 or 100 years old um, and met a lot more of his grandkids because he only really met like maybe five of them. And only like two or three actually remember him. My, my, my mom has like 13 or 14 grandkids now. I always wondered why did food have such a hold on him that he couldn't just like let it go for a little bit so he can live a lot longer. So anyway, so he never drunk the juice and that juice just sat there. He 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 took like capfuls of juice, like shots of that juice whenever he felt like he wasn't feeling his best. So like he would try and basically he would use it as like almost like medicine, you know, but not the way the doctors told him to do. And it didn't do anything that I know of. I did what my dad asked me to do when it came to like, you know, feeding him, um, helping him. You know, I did my part, but it was very hard to watch him struggle. And like it was very hard, like, you know, seeing him slowly die and not being able to help him because, there was nothing I could do to help him or any one of my siblings or even my mom. None of us could help him. He had to want to help himself. And it just seemed like he didn't want to for whatever reason. I don't know. I remember like just watching my dad take his uh, the insulin and he would stick it on the side of his belly button. It had to go on the side of either of his belly button. And my dad was very light-skinned. He was very, very light-skinned. And it was really, um, you could see, and you could see the, how the bruises on his stomach. And it just became just uh, almost like a mindless habit. You know, he, he, he had to take it three times a day. He injected the insulin three times a day. And there was no, there was nothing that I saw um, in him that said, hold up, let me, like, do something to stop my body's dependency on this insulin. There was nothing. There was nothing at all. And, um, that always like bothered me. Why would he unintentionally choose a slow death? And I, you you know, like, like, why do any of us do that? So, um, I had to help him, you know, I never, I never had to like help inject him with the insulin but um just just helping him do everything else because he he became like he became to the point where we couldn't help him like at some point he had to um, go into a a, a nursing home um, because we couldn't help him anymore you know this was all before you know you can hire uh your family members to be your your nurse and all this stuff like that this wasn't during that time he he became so um uh, dependent on help that we couldn't help him anymore. It became impossible. So he went to a nursing home for a little bit. Um, and then after that, he died. Uh, he died shortly after, um, he left the nursing home, a couple, maybe a couple of years. But, um, part of the reason why I had the surgery was because I, I couldn't put my kids through, through that. I couldn't, let my kids watch me die like that. And I've always had this in my head. Like it was such a, it was a a traumatic experience to like watch your parent, like just wither away because like my dad was a strong man, like, like physically, like he would jack you up. Like seriously, he was a strong man. And like his reputation, um, you know, when he was little and even like, For us growing up, like nobody messed with the Rev. That's what they called him, the Rev, because my dad was a pastor. So nobody messed with the Rev. Nobody messed with his family. Like nobody, even even though like he was like in his 40s and 50s and like we still living um, on our block and nobody, nobody would dare cross him at all. So like he wasn't nothing to be messed with. And it just like, you know, to watch him go from this super strong person to this. This person who who can't do anything, it's like, like, dang, like, man, like I got to do better. That's what was always in my head. So I, I chased the diets and I chased everything, but nothing, nothing stuck. I didn't stick to anything long enough for it to work. And um, I think unconscious, unconsciously, I just resolved to the fact that I'm going to die fat, but I kept fighting to try not to, um, you know, in my, you know, trying different things. So the story about my dad and uh, the diabetes and the slow death is just like it sticks with me because I don't think anybody should have to like go through that. Like it it was such a a really bad experience in the sense of like watching your parent wither away like that. So I I always thought I always since I had surgery, I I always have the thought like, I wonder if my dad would have um, if he had the opportunity, would he would he have had weight loss surgery? And I don't know if he would have got cut, you know, got his stomach cut out of him or, you know, whatever. Or, you know, 80% of his stomach cut out of him. I don't know. But in my head, you know, because for me, my sleeve keeps me honest. Like I have to stop eating when I'm, when I feel full, when I, like I have to, because I, it just makes me feel sick if I don't, if I go past that point. So like, even if I try to be greedy or if I try to have one more bite, some of y'all know that one more bite will take you out. You'll end up in the bathroom throwing up everything so like in my head i'm like this this probably would have been a really good tool for him and um i just think like man if he had this opportunity he would have lived or could have lived a whole lot longer i mean i hope you use this story about my dad and you know my journey to like really think about your tool whether you had whatever surgery you had like if you had the sleeve or VSG or RMY, whatever it is, or the, or the band, whatever you have, um, don't take advantage of it. Not that, not that the expectation is that you live a perfect weight loss journey. That's not it. But you just don't take advantage of it. Don't say it didn't work for me. You have to work the tool. If you have a hammer, the hammer don't work unless you put it in your hand and you start pounding on that nail, right? It's the same thing. Our sleeve, our tool, it does not work unless we actually work it. We put it to work. So how do we put it to work? We put it to work by putting in our bodies the things that we, that our body needs. And you do that most of the time. 80-20. 80-20 is what what I live by. 80% of the time I live, uh, I eat right. And then there's room for error, 20%. That's it. Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, screenshot it and tag me on whatever social media platform you're on, especially on TikTok. You can tag me in your stories and let me know what you think about it. All right. Have a great day. Peace.